You're listening to The Wrestling Life, a part of the Elite Podcast Network at obpapparel.com. Hey everybody, it's The Wrestling Life, it's episode 116. It is the first week of May of 2017. I'm Ethan. And I'm Liam. We're here after a week off to talk about the WWE Payback Show, give you our thoughts on that program, uh, on Monday Night Raw for this week, on SmackDown Live from this week, and um, I, that's probably about it. I don't think there any... Oh, I met Sasha Banks, um, and what? we might, if we if we have time, if we have time, we'll touch on that at the end of this program. I'm not sure that we'll have time, uh, but let's begin with payback. I watched to say that I watched this show, Liam, would be uh, accurate, but also a little bit generous. Um, I watched, <laughs> I watched the pre-show, uh, even. Sam Roberts did not break my spirit. Uh, and I was tracking with the show up until the, after the first round of the house of horrors, at which point I just mentally checked out and the show was on in the background. Uh, and I would occasionally look over at the screen. Um, what were your big picture thoughts on the payback show? I thought this thing fell off a steep, steep cliff. Uh, after the House of Horrors. Yeah, I don't even know if the last two matches were any good or not because they lost me. What did you think of Payback? Um, yeah, it wasn't very good. Um, it there was, there was some good wrestling on it and a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of stuff that, like, they weren't set up to... I don't feel like some of the guys were really set up to succeed and have great matches. So, um... I think I think everybody did their best. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> with what they were given, but uh, some bad finishes and just kind of weird booking and stuff like that. Um, but we can kind of get into that as we go more long form to the show. But yeah, it was it was it wasn't it wasn't good. I can't even say it was okay. It was it was a bad show. Um, I I agree. Fair enough. Um, yeah, I don't know. It was, I, it was I, bad. <laughs> sorry, I didn't. I didn't know if you were wrapping up there or not. I wasn't trying to cut you off, but it seemed like it was time for me to say words. Uh, Enzo and Cass beat Gallows and Anderson on the pre-show. Uh, they didn't get a lot of time. What did you think of the pre-show match? I just think I've seen that those two teams wrestle. I feel like a thousand times, like on pay-per-view too. Not even counting like Raws and. Uh, Smackdowns and whatever. Like, I feel like I've seen these guys wrestle a lot. So, it was good. It was fine. Um, you know, all four of those guys know how to put together a, a competent tag, tag team match. And they did some a few creative uh, kind of to cut off the hot tag and stuff like that. They did some creative spots. But, yeah, other than that, I'm just, it just, it's just one of those things that kind of shows you how 
uh, stale that that raw tag division still is, even with the superstar shakeup. The main show opener, uh, Chris Jericho, who we'll be talking about a little more in depth as we review SmackDown later, or as we touch on SmackDown later. Chris Jericho beat Kevin Owens to win the United States Championship in his second to last night in the company for the foreseeable future. <laughs> it felt like a swerve, swerve for the sake of a swerve to me. Would you? Uh, but I thought I I enjoyed the match. What did you think? Yeah, I thought it was a very good match. Um, probably my favorite on the whole show. Uh, so they they worked really hard. It wasn't necessarily the the WWE main event style of match where everybody kicks out of a thousand moves and it's not, it wasn't super fast paced, but they told a really good story. And then doing the end where Jericho breaks his finger so he can't get his finger to the ropes and he has to tap out. I thought it was really cool. Um, so yeah, I, I, uh, I enjoyed this quite a bit. And I mean, my only thought and based on what they did on SmackDown, which we'll get into, it just seems like whenever Jericho comes back, they want to do, more with him and Owens and to do that, you need them on the same brand. So you have Jericho switch to SmackDown so he can drop the title. And then whenever he, whenever they can get him to come back, he and, you know, he and Owens can pick up where they left off. Austin Aries beat Neville by DQ. Neville uh, grabbed the referee and forced his own disqualification. So he retained the championship. I thought good match, bad finish. I understand the, that if you're doing a long program, you can't just do clean finishes all the time, but I don't like uh, screw, screw job finishes on pay-per-view. Uh, what did you think of Aries and Neville? Um, yeah, it was, it was a good match. I, uh, it just, yeah, I think the finish, it leaves you feeling a little flat. Um, I, I, again, like I said, I can appreciate it, but I think they've kind of, they've done that finish so many times in matches that don't matter. You know, I mean like how many raw main events, especially I feel like in like the 2014, 2015, when every week it was like John Cena versus like Seth Rollins and Kane in a handicap match. And like all those matches would just end in like lame DQs. So you've kind of taught your audience that DQs are lame and they're a way to, that, you know, they're, they're screwing the audience out of a real finish. So, yeah, DQs and countouts don't really work very well um, in 2017. Um, I mean, I mean, that being said, it was a well wrestled match. I'm fine with these guys, you know, continuing their feud. They're, you know, they're the closest thing to stars that the that the cruiserweight division has right now. I will say the show, the 205 Live show, is. Uh, it's a pretty enjoyable hour every week and not, not quite an hour if you watch it on demand. Um, so I would, uh, you know, they, there's a lot, there's so many talented guys, but they, you know, we've talked about it a million times. They just were so bad at getting characters over. So, uh, yeah, not really, not really thrilled with the match, but, uh, fine with Austin Aries and Neville continuing to wrestle each other. The Hardy boys beat Cesaro and Sheamus to retain the raw tag titles. And then Cesaro and Sheamus turned on the Hardys after the match. Matt was busted open. He had a, uh, looked like a bloody eye and a bloody forehead. Maybe busted open in two spots. And Jeff, of course, uh, got kicked in the face and got a tooth knocked out. What did you think of his tag match? And do you have any, 
specific thoughts on after we devoted half of a show a couple of weeks ago to how gender sucks. Uh, Seamus has a long track record of this, and he was he just kicked Jeff in the head, right in the face. He may have concussed him, and he definitely knocked his tooth out. And he also busted open Matt. Seamus was on a roll here, uh, but uh, I don't know. What did you think of the uh, the I? What do you think of the tag title match? Um, <laughs> it's tough to kind of compartmentalize this because I thought as a match it was very good because you know the Hardys are. You know, if the Hardys know how to do one thing, it's have a good tag team match. And Cesaro is awesome. And Sheamus, when he's not killing people, is perfectly good as well. But that that's not really the story. Um, you know, the turn I thought was well executed. I thought the promo on Raw that uh, Cesaro and Sheamus cut was very good. But that's not the story here. We got to talk more about guys being unsafe. We have to talk about it because they're... It's 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 more important than silly wrestling stuff. And when we talked about uh, gender uh, and how blatant his elbowing of Finn Balor in the head was, and I think we both kind of said it in different ways, but the bottom line we came to was either he's a clumsy moron or he's just a jerk and he didn't care. Um, right. And that, like, at this point, like, Sheamus has hurt you know, just to name a few, Daniel Bryan, Christian, both of the Hardy Boys now. I'm sure there are plenty of others um, that he's that he's injured. Um, it's like, what, uh, you know, I have to just come to the assumption that he's a jerk and he doesn't care if he hurts people or not. Like, that's that just has to be my assumption because he's been wrestling for probably, I don't know, near, I mean, he was in developmental for a long time before he came up and he wrestled in the UK indie scene and like he's he's not he's not a rookie. He's like, he's, he's shocking he's shockingly older than you think too. He's like pushing forty. I think he's like a fifteen year veteran. Right. And it's like uh it's like that's and it's it's not like, oh well, you can, you know, again, I mean, other people have made this comment that like, okay, you know, the Aries and Nakamura thing, it's like Aries was like spinning and Nakamura was throwing a kick and something went wrong. You can even say in the Jinder and Balor one that, you know, Balor was running and Jinder was just clumsy and, and threw the, was too late when he threw the, threw the forearm or whatever. It's like Jeff Hardy was stand, was just, was just sitting there and he kicked him, you know, and he, he was, he obviously didn't care. Like that's all I, that's the only conclusion I can come to is that a guy is just doesn't care if he hurts people or not. And maybe I mean everyone. Everyone knows, you know the the rumors or the perhaps facts of, you know, obviously Vince loves this guy. You know, he's made him a champion a hundred thousand times, even when it didn't make sense to do so. You know, he's made he's been a top guy since two thousand and nine. Um, very clearly, they you know he maybe so whether he just feels invincible. Or he just doesn't care. Because to me, it's like, okay, if you're clumsy and it's your first year in, then somebody can take you aside and go, hey, man, you're hurting people. You got to get better. And then you can work at it and get better. Like, clearly, he has no interest in getting better, which comes back to he's just a jerk and he doesn't care if he hurts people. Like, I don't... I'd say, like, again, I like Sheamus matches for a lot of time. That that run when he was the the world champion on SmackDown, he had a lot of good matches on that run, I thought. But like he hurts guys, and 
it's it goes back. It's the Bret Hart quote. It's the art of professional wrestling is to make it look like you're hurting the other guy, and in reality, not hurt them at all. And if you can't do that, you're not good at it. Or if you just won't do it because you're lazy or you're a jerk, then either way, like, get out. You don't belong here. Like, that's not what wrestling is. And, I mean, in an era where we just saw, uh, what's his name, Shibata in New Japan's career might be over because of that stupid headbutt that we, uh, we kind of mentioned in passing on a, a show a couple of weeks ago. It's like, like, how could you be so careless with a guy, especially with a guy's head? You know, and again, it's not the first time because he gave, he ended Daniel Bryan's career. He definitely gave, he definitely gave Christian a concussion. It may not have been officially the concussion that ended his career, but he definitely gave Christian a concussion. I remember that. Those guys had like 3,000 matches over the years, which in other words, just like as injury prone as Christian tended to be to spend like the last two years of his career, mostly working with Seamus, like, ugh, what a way to go out. I don't know, man. I just like, <laughs> like, what other conclusion do you come to other than he's a jerk and he doesn't care? Uh, I think me, I don't believe this necessarily, but I think the counter to that would be, well, part of what makes him good is that he is stiff or that he is snug, uh, rather than stiff and that this is the kind of the trade-off, but I would argue that the trade-off is not worth it then. Uh, Cesaro is Cesaro works stiff. I've never seen him knock anybody's teeth out. I don't know of any stories of him giving people concussions. That's perfectly, perfectly valid. It's perfectly valid. Like I said, I didn't, I don't think the, the counter argument is valid, but I think that's the counter argument. Uh, we will, I'm sure we will, we have not seen the last of, of, uh, of Seamus hurting people. And I'm sure we will talk about this more <laughs> the next time it happens, which is sad, but just a fact. Um, Alexa bliss beat Bailey in her hometown to win the raw women's championship. I saw the uh, the day before the show that the quote unquote smart money had come in on Bailey winning, and I thought doesn't make any sense. And I thought, nah, they'll they'll change their mind. And apparently, they changed their mind several times as the the betting odds on this match continued to flip and flop uh, all the way up until after the show started, I believe, on Sunday. But uh, Bailey gets beat in her hometown. And I have a major issue with how that went down, but I'll first ask Liam, uh, what do you think of Alexa and Bailey? Uh, this is the best match Alexa Bliss has ever had. Um, I thought by probably a wide margin. Um, we've talked before about how her in ring is maybe the only thing that's going to hold her back from being like the top woman in the company. Maybe her size too. I don't know. It kind of depends on, you know, what side of the, the bed a crazy 70 year old man wakes up on every day. But um, uh, yeah, I thought the match was awesome. It was laid out very, um, it was very idiot proofed. I thought uh, a lot of chin locks, but they, they, you know, Bailey, Bailey did a great job. The crowd just was, was very clearly a large portion of that crowd was there to see Bailey. So they were pretty much into everything uh, that they did. And, Alexa Bliss was totally fine in what they had her do. They did that code red spot in the corner. Uh, it looked awesome. Ter- terrifying, but awesome. Yeah. Um, 
Uh, Bailey did the flying elbow, which really needs to be your finisher because it looks so much better than that <laughs> that belly to belly. Um, that's that the belly to belly looks bad, but like I feel like a half a dozen people might just use a belly to belly as like a transition move. So if you have a if you have a flying elbow that looks that good, we'll get to that in the Seth Rollins when we talk about Seth today. But um, if you have if you have a really cool move that you're doing as your signature, and then your finish is just like a suplex or something. You should you should do the really cool move as your finisher. Anyway, but uh, yeah, and then Alexa just pinned her clean. So I thought it was a very good match. Like I said, the best match Alexa Bliss has ever had. But yeah, I mean the booking doesn't make sense. The idea of oh we're beating these this girl in her hometown and that'll get heat. Um, it's like okay if this was uh, the 1970s and you were doing a loop and you were coming back to San Jose and like four or five weeks, you could probably make that, and you're building to the rematch, you could probably make that argument. But you're not. You pay probably. I mean, they'll be back in San Jose, you know, in October or something, and, you know, Lord knows who's who's going to be champion or who will have turned babyface or heel by then. Like, whatever it is, it won't, you know, it won't be the, it won't be the same deal. So I don't, I mean... That's not that's maybe not the biggest news flash, but yeah, being people in their hometowns is super dumb, especially in mod you know in modern times. But uh, but they do it. Um, what were your thoughts on uh, on this whole shebang? I thought that um, of course I think it's just a given. Of course, it's stupid that they beat Bailey in her hometown, and of course I would not beat Bailey and w- would not have beaten Bailey in her hometown. But given, it's just the given. That's what they're going to do. Given that, that that's what they're going to do. Bailey lost in kayfabe because she posted herself <laughs> and injured herself. Alexa didn't cheat. Foot heel, who I wouldn't think about her height if they didn't remind me of it every 35 seconds. But she's a five, <laughs> she's a five foot heel. That wrestles like a six foot eight heel because she doesn't cheat and she just she takes most of the offense in her matches. And I think she has good matches given her level of experience. I would agree with you. This is probably the best Alexa Bliss match I've ever seen. But she doesn't cheat to win. So I think they need to make up their mind on on her. Is she this um underdog? That is underdog heel or this undersized heel who's five feet tall and is going to win by cheating. Beat people like I, I didn't like that. Bailey did this to herself. She posted herself like Alexa needs to cheat the winner matches is what I'm saying. That's I bet that's you're absolutely right. But that's just that's every woman wrestles the same way. I feel like. Like they're all taught this very, it's very, it's all very samey, and yeah, they all have their different signature moves. But yeah, it doesn't matter. It's, I mean, you can make that same argument on the babyface side with Sasha, who's, uh, you know, one of the smaller girls on the, on the babyface side that she could, and she does obviously do some more, you know, high risk stuff. But like she doesn't, you know, again, she just kind of wrestles like. But a lot of the, you know, when it comes to doing the comebacks, they all do like the same clothes lines. And stuff like that. So yeah, you could you could differentiate yourself. 
you know, and it could be little things. It doesn't have to be, again, when it comes to working with a smaller, you know, a smaller heel. Yeah. It's just like uh, the finish to the tag match on raw. She like, she poked Bailey in the eyes right in front of the ref, even though the announcers pretended that the ref didn't see it somehow. But, uh, like it's yeah, like little things like that that she needs to get the advantage. One because she's a heel, and heels are supposed to cheat and not win clean. Um, and two because as you mentioned, she's demonstrably smaller than everyone else in the whole division. So yeah, I would like to see a lot of the you know definitely a fair amount of the women learn to work a little bit differently than what they are currently doing. That's a valid criticism that I haven't heard anyone else raise. Well done, sir. Uh, Bray Wyatt beat Randy Orton in the House of Horrors match. I don't know. We could do an hour on this. Um, <laughs> I, I feel pretty easily. Uh, it ended in in the middle of the ring when the Singh brothers and Jinder Mahal attacked Randy, allowing Bray to get the pin. Um, this was Drek. This was... Um, the worst, this turned me off of the show completely. What did you think of the House of Horrors match? It was bad. <laughs> um, it was, as I mentioned on Twitter, it was, it was the Hardy Boys stuff, but minus the creativity and the over-the-top nature, plus Kevin Dunn. Um, so it was just, it was bad. Like, it was like, okay, you have an interesting setting. You have a chance to do something maybe a little bit different. And then it's just two guys kind of punching each other in a house. A fairly nice looking house, by the way. Um, uh, his rental property of horrors. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know, man. Like, it was, that's, that's, that, was a, that was all that it's, I summed it up that way, and I thought that was kind of all I had was like it wasn't wacky enough to be like the Hardy Boys stuff um, but it was too wacky or too stupid for regular pro wrestling so it just kind of came off as you know like whether you were a fan of the Final Deletion or you're just a fan of regular old school pro wrestling I feel like either side would be pissed off or would be let down by watching that because I don't think it did enough to cater to either side of that let's just move on <laughs> let's just move on there's not, there's not a whole lot of benefit to i feel like to further breaking this down maybe on a year-end show when we talk about the worst stuff of the year uh, we can revisit the house of horrors in great detail uh but seth rollins beat samoa joe like i said i kind of tuned out uh, after the house of horrors this may have been a perfectly fine match i started paying attention i saw seth doing 96 dives in an, in his match like he always does and I think he shouldn't do and it completely turned me off and I kind of stopped paying attention. What did you think of Seth Rollins and Samoa Joe? Yeah, it was they couldn't the crowd was pissed off. Uh, they just seen Bailey <laughs> they just seen Bailey lose. They just seen the hometown girl lose and they sat and watched this like 15 minute boring uh whatever that was. And uh, so the crowd didn't really – crowd was just kind of pissed off anyway. Um, they kind of got it back for the main event, but they didn't care. And by the time Seth and, and Joe started trading big moves and finishers and stuff, they kind of got into it, but it was just yeah, – they didn't really have it. They weren't – again, 
what I talked about at the top of the show, they weren't put in a position to, to have a good match really. Um, it was also awkward just because it's like, there was no good, there was no good guy to beat because Seth's coming off, you know, beating, uh, the, he's, he slayed the King, which they'll remind you of every three seconds. Um, with all of his t-shirts and stuff. But uh, so it's like, okay, so he's coming off this giant win. And at the same time, Joe really hasn't even gotten established on the main roster other than being, you know, Hunter's lackey. And he beat Sami Zayn on whatever the February pay-per-view was. So they kind of did the, the fluke roll-up finish. Um, it was, just, it was, it was, it was nothing. What I'm going to say, like, uh, Seth Rollins is doing the, the Rainmaker knee as his finish now. Mm-hmm. That sucks. <laughs> like, it just doesn't look good. And I feel like the only way to look good is, like, to actually need a guy in the head, which I would not recommend. So, like, he does, uh, he does, does anybody else, I was trying to remember, does anybody else do a frog splash in WWE right now? Owens does it from time to time. It's a like a near fall move. Okay, but nobody's really using it as a fit because he because Seth Rollins has like a beautiful frog splash that he used in this match, and I was like, why that? Or used it maybe use it in the triple threat on Raw, but one of those matches you may have used it in both. It's like that ma- again. It goes back to what I was saying with Bailey's flying elbow. It's like if you have a really cool move, and I understand him not wanting to do the Phoenix splash all the time. One because Maybe you want to save that for special occasions and big matches, and two because I think it's Rich Swan's finisher too. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, if somebody else does it, then it's not as special. Uh, but it's like, okay, that frog splash. Nobody else really does a frog splash. He's it's like, use that or use like, I don't know, like the, like that knee just doesn't look good, and he has other moves that do look good. So it just it kind of drives me crazy uh, when when guys do that. But uh, yeah, I uh, I started paying attention again after this match ended very briefly, and I thought, okay, well, I saw the graphic for Braun and Roman coming up, and I'm like, okay, we got that, and then uh, what's the main event? And uh, holy crap, that's the main event, Uh, (laughs) Braun and Roman. Uh, I thought better than their Raw matches, but not as good as their whenever that was in December or March. I guess it was in March. Um, uh, I don't think you're a fan of this pairing in general. I mean, event of the show. Well, you actually said like I think you summed up why it doesn't work for me. You texted me and you said like, why do they always have Roman sell so much? Because he's not <laughs> very good at it, or something to that effect. It's like to me, it's it's the weak, it's the weakest part of his game. Yeah, right. It's like Roman Reigns is like. He's got a lot of good matches under his belt, especially again for a guy that basically just washed out of football, came to you know came to worked in FCW for a little bit, and then had like two matches in NXT before they debuted him in the Shield. Um, he's he's awesome, but this right the pairing where he has to wrestle the big the big giant who you know we saw it with him in big show they had one good match they had like a uh, last man standing match or something but that was like one out of like 50 matches he had with big show that was any good the rest of it is you know the big giant working some kind of hold and roman just sitting there in a chin lock looking disinterested 
Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't like this match. Like it was, it was okay. It wasn't like it wasn't embarrassingly bad or anything. But it's just one of those things where, well, uh, you know, the mat, especially the match in in March or February, whenever it was, where they, uh, where everybody's like, oh, this was like another great, you know, Roman carried him to like a, you know, great match. I was like, that was like an okay match, and this I thought was below that. Um, so it was just, it was, it was fine. Again, not embarrassing or like terrible or anything, but uh, certainly not what I'm wanting out of like a pay per view main event, especially after I've sat through a lot of not very good stuff. So I don't know. I, I, uh, yeah, I don't know. It was I just didn't think it was very good. And Raw talk after the show was also not very good, and they had Roman come back and knock Braun into a pile of cardboard boxes or something. So Braun ended the pay-per-view standing over a bloodied and fallen Roman Reigns after he uh, demolished him with steel steps. By the way, pet peeve of mine is when they do stuff with the steps because on Raw three weeks ago or whatever, they had Braun Strowman flip over a effing ambulance. And here, anytime they have any, they have one of the guys lift the steps and they're, they're awkward, but you see them, struggling to lift these you know i don't know 90 pound steps i don't know how i don't know how much they weigh but remember they the had guy... stats during the stairs match oh, it's stats Lord. about between the, the the legendary eric Rowe and big show stairs match they had a they had a whole oh. bunch of stats about how much the steels weigh uh, the steel oh. stairs weigh. no i don't remember that oh i remember that <laughs> i'll never forget it so that's uh, I hate I hate when they do spots with the steps, but then they had Roman come back and uh, yeah get his heat get a little bit of his heat back on Raw Talk after the show. Neither was on Monday Night Raw, uh, which was the lowest rated edition non football non holiday edition of the show in twenty years, and uh, they could also be seen on social media today uh, touring Rome together. <laughs> uh, so. <laughs> Yeah, and something certain to drive Wade Keller to madness, uh, further to madness. Um, so uh, that was Payback, a show that I think fell off a cliff about uh, 60% of the way through. Uh, Raw, I thought, was pretty good. Uh, I didn't like The Miz winning that triple threat main event. The Miz is now the number one contender to Dean Ambrose's Intercontinental title. Uh, I thought that was a very good main event, though. And I thought uh, the women's tag that opened the show uh, was pretty good, given that, you know, Alicia Fox was in the match. Um, but I thought Raw, aside from the main event, really was a pretty forgettable show. Do you have any thoughts on Monday Night Raw this week? Uh, yeah, pretty much what you just said. Uh, I thought the the idea of them wanting to do the mid-card belt while Brock has the big belt is good um it's but i i think because the the intercontinental championship has been what it has been for the last oh 20 years or so maybe longer than that um it's it all it's hard to not feel like finn and seth were coming down to a level rather than miz and dean and the belt raising to the main event level so um you know they that's I also like the double interference in the main event, uh, which I understand you don't 
you don't want Miz to pin one of those guys clean. But he's like, oh, Joe runs out. And then uh, the Bray Wyatt. I don't want to see Bray Wyatt and Finn Balor wrestle. I don't think that'll yeah, be very good. It. I don't think that'll be very good. But I guess they'll be wrestling when uh, when WWE comes to Baltimore very soon. Uh, I'm guessing that that'll be. But, you know, if that means we get to see Balor and his, do his paint entrance, uh, maybe that'll be worth it. I don't know. Um. But I, I really hope that's a one pay per view show. Like I don't need, they've obviously they've been teasing. Uh, we know for sure Brock is working, at least July the Great Balls of Fire event, and uh, as well as SummerSlam. So you got to figure one of those shows is Braun. You probably have him. You probably have either Finn or Seth wrestle Brock at the other pay per view. Um, so you kind of keep those guys out of it out of the main events for the short term. And then, you know, when, when they get Brock back, they can move them back into that top uh, spot. But um, yeah, I don't know. I don't, I'm not, I'm, I'm not jazzed about, about seeing Bray Wyatt and Finn Balor, I guess is what I came out of it thinking. SmackDown featured no Usos, no Shinsuke Nakamura, no uh, WWE champion, Randy Orton. However, there was a lot of Kevin Owens. Wait a minute, hang on. Was Orton on the show? <laughs> Jinder uh, just handed him his belt. Jinder, no, Jinder handed the belt to Shane at the start of the show. That's because, right. Okay, that's right. I, I thought right, there was he'll no stand, He'll stand defiant. He'll stand defiant against the 15-time WWE champion. But if Shane the Shooter asks for that belt back, you damn sure better believe you're handing that belt over. That's right. Top baby face on the show. Shame, man. It's like, what? Like, okay, so they did the bit where Jinder stole the belt and ran out of the arena in his limousine. And then he showed up at the pay-per-view and he hit Randy with the belt again. And he ran off with it again. It's like, okay, so you're going to do the bit where he, like, goes into the match wearing the belt around his waist. And it's, you know, it's, you have whoever talk about how disrespectful this is to all the former champions because he didn't earn it or whatever. Um, it's like okay, that would kind of. It's like you know, he just handed the belt back. I was like, what the hell was the point of that? I don't, I don't know, man. But <laughs> it was just it's, dumb. It, it was dumb. SmackDown did its lowest rating of the year, uh, but it was all about uh, Chris Jericho and Kevin Owens. And I know you wanted to take a moment to talk about uh, the greatness of Chris Jericho. Uh, but what you think about uh, Jericho apparently uh, being written out for a while? Uh, yeah, it wasn't, uh, I didn't think it was quite as good as their match on Sunday was, but I thought it was very good. And yeah, they did the big, the big injury angle where, uh, Owens attacked the head and the neck, uh, pretty repeatedly, um, and gave him a couple power bombs after the match and did the bit where I think Punk and Jeff Hardy did this bit, uh, years ago where he puts the chair over the neck and then runs like the chair leg first, legs first into the the side of the post. Um, Jericho did just an awesome job of uh, of selling this, and meanwhile you had Owens shouting, "You were never my best friend," which just broke my heart all over again. And uh, so you, again, like we mentioned when we were talking about the earlier match, they have it set up where Jericho can come back whenever he is free, whether that's SummerSlam or, or whatever. And 
and uh, they can they can pick this feud back up where they left off. But uh, yeah, I mean, I just want to say, like, who who what other wrestler has a career that is comparable to the career Chris Jericho has had? It's difficult off the top of my head to think of someone that has worked everywhere and done as many different things and done as many different things so well. Yeah. I mean, I mean the names that kind of come up, I mean, just being able to basic stuff, like being able to do uh, comedy and, and serious promos kind of, and flip back and forth in the same promo. Um, I mean, there's guys like, I mean, Kurt Angle could do it and Piper could do it, but like, I mean, think about like Chris Jericho got over in 1998 he got over with a new gimmick in 2008 and he, and then in 2000, you know, midway through 2016, he changed his character completely again and got over again and became the most over, you know, he got a, a piece, a, 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 a pad of paper and a, and a, a pen are were the most over thing on raw for like, six months um it's like that guy just from i mean you talk about like the great matches and everything he's had that's that's kind of obvious he was wrestling in japan he wrestled in ecw it was kind of the white meat baby face in wcw and it's like but and then everybody always says you know well what really lasts what really lasts the the test of time is is, is character is people remember characters when they remember matches and that's true and it's like that guy has played like a thousand different characters over the years, and he's been great at almost all of them. Like that guy deserves some kind of special recognition, or he deserves like, you know, an award named after him one day, or something. Like I don't know, I don't know, but like that guy is. I mean, when he calls himself the greatest of all time, it's really hard to kind of argue with it when you look at how varied and incredible of a career he's had, and he's not done. That's maybe that's the part you marvel at, where yeah, he's not necessarily going to have any more like blow away awesome matches, but he's still doing great character work. He can still have very good matches, as we saw on Sunday, um, and he's still you know, and he's still a great character. And it's like I just I sit and I marvel at that man every time he's on television. And so I'm sorry to see him go, even if it's just for a short while, but. Man, like there, I was just, I was really been thinking about that the last few weeks. It's like that, that guy, he's the best, man. He might be the best of all time. Um, as far as just the varied nature and the quantity of great work that he's done. Certainly, certainly in the conversation. And, uh, hope he, uh, hope he's back soon. And, uh, I think that's, uh, I don't know. Do we have time for, I think that's, I think we're desperately out of time. Do we have anything else? Uh, I believe that someone on this staff here at TWL who is not me and is not Chip the intern, uh, went and met a lady named Sasha Banks this past weekend. So let's, let's get some details here. (laughs) All right. (laughs) That's, just telling telling this story makes my skin crawl. <laughs> and I guess maybe as I recount as I recount things you'll understand why. 
So you do have a little bit of shame left. That's cool. All right. I I, I don't know that I do. I really don't know that I do. Well, let's hear the story, well, and then we'll find out. All right. Um, I live in Baltimore. Uh, Sasha Banks is appearing at a uh, pop culture store in New Jersey that often bring in wrestlers for personal appearances. They're bringing in Roman Reigns uh, very soon, sometime this month or next month or something. Uh, I put plugged the address of the store in on Google Maps, found out it was only a two-hour drive, only a short two-hour drive away. <laughs> I, I uh, had some uh, had some wedding uh, chores that I also needed to get done on the day. I needed to get my uh, best man, needed to go and uh, supervise his suit fitting and that kind of thing. Uh, but I was able to enlist him, enlist my buddy Tim to uh, to come with me um, under the auspices of uh, we need to, to do some errands afterwards. But I, I think some of it may have just been uh, somehow I, this will feel less like a suicide mission uh, <laughs> if, I'm bringing, if, I'm, if I'm bringing someone along with me. It'll feel less uh, it'll feel less weird somehow. If I bring if I bring a friend with me, so you bring a chaperone. <laughs> yes, if I bring my if I bring my own personal security team, uh, this, this this might go better for me. So, uh, arrive. The appearance is slated to begin at noon. I uh, they did not mail out tickets for this event. They did not send tickets electronically. Apparently, this came up very last minute. And so the only way to pick up your ticket for this event was to pick it up in person. So I wanted to get there early because I figured, well, if there are a couple of hundred people in line to pick up a ticket, I do not want to be at the end of that line. So got there at 10 a.m. for an appearance that began at noon. Oh, boy. <laughs> and- and I got my ticket at about ten 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 fifteen. The the there was a lot of um, ha- very hardworking staff at the Adventureland store in Voorhees, New Jersey. Um, I have my gripes with them, but uh, I, have, I have a gripe with some of them. Uh, but others uh, were very hard. Everyone was working very hard, and clearly wanted this thing to go very smoothly. So there were one, two, three, I believe four classes of ticket uh, and your and your place in line lining up for the appearance uh, was directly uh, there's direct correlation between how much money you spent and where you were placed in the line to meet Sasha Banks. I was seventh in line. Oh, <laughs> I see. <laughs> I was person in the in the uh, in the selfie club. Uh, the selfie ticket holders. Oh my lord! Please don't call it that. <sighs> That's what they were called. I, I have call a receipt. <laughs> I have a receipt that says selfie ticket. I don't care what they call it. I'm asking you not to call it that. Um, so I had about an hour and a half to kill. So I kill an hour and a half in line listening to conversation, uh, from the great unwashed masses of wrestling fans around me. 
I would estimate the crowd at about 250 people, maybe, maybe 200 people. I don't want to overstate it, but, um, and it was also <laughs> a little bit difficult for me to tell because the selfie ticket line was separated. Oh, dear. <laughs> from, from the commoners that clearly are not as big of fans as those of us that held the most elite ticket. Oh, and, <laughs> and so, uh, but the stench of wrestling fan uh, was oh. wafting through the Voorhees Town Center. So, uh, as uh, they say, so the store itself where the appearance was taking place opened at 10 a.m., but they were kind of cordoning it off. Um, they were letting people in kind of one or two at a time if you wanted to come in and buy stuff. But they're like, okay, as soon as she gets here, we're closing the store and then we will reopen when she's ready. Okay. And about. Meanwhile, there are merch tables outside. Um, where you can buy Sasha merch, you can buy WWE merch. Uh, there are tables outside. So uh, at about 11.45, I would say, maybe 11.40, uh, they closed the store. And, uh, and a, a very uh, excited hype man who, trying to think what celebrity he most resembles. Are you familiar with Mike Ehrmantraut from Breaking Bad? Uh, Mike, the character, the old man. Yes. yes. He was also I think maybe community. All right. Uh, well, if if he mated with Senor Benjamin, <laughs> that would be the hype man for this event. And uh, so they close the store, and he comes out and like, she's here. She is here. Sasha Banks is here. Let's hear it. Oh boy. And and then trying to trying to get the crowd to chant. Like playing various WWE themes over the 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 music the sound system for the store. And they're kind of they're whipping everyone into a frenzy. So I came to find out later that that eleven forty five or 11.40 to 12 o'clock window, there was yet an even more elite group of people that were inside the store having a private VIP meet and greet with Sasha Banks. Uh, I don't know how you got on that list. That was not a ticket that was available to the public. But, <laughs> so. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right, just move on. All right, so... um. I, I don't know what I don't know if you're trying to imply something or not there, but I re- resent it if you are. Oh. Um, <laughs> I think I was trying to like you would have bought it if you hadn't seen it, right? Is that the implication? <laughs> no, I thought you were trying to say that maybe there was something dirty about it, and I was like, no, oh. that it was not. It wasn't for oh. sale. It All wasn't right. for sale. Uh, like it was like friends of the friends of the store owner was what I was trying to. Friend, like friends and family of people that work at the store got got the private uh, greeting. They, they, anyway, all right, let's, that's, that's all you had to say. All right, I'm getting out of this. So at twelve oh one, the store reopens, and you're like, okay, everybody, line up. And everybody kind of already lined up, so 
filing in. And again, I am number seven in line. So number six ahead of me is a father and a son. And they apparently have been to many meet and greets at this store. And uh, apparently I was exhibiting anxiety or nervousness. I'm not sure because uh, this guy turned around and uh, he imparted some advice to, uh, to me. Mm-hmm. He says, says, uh, done one of these before? And I'm like, well, I met Shawn Michaels in an indie show people before, but I've never been to one here like this, and I've never paid this much money. So he says, uh, all right, cool. Yeah, well, well, this happens all the time. It's like, uh, you'll go up there. Uh, you will, uh, he's like, uh, you will take, take your phone out and you will take a photo, your selfie with your phone because that's what you pay for. Right. You, you will hand whatever item you want autographed to a handler who will then hand it to her. Mm-hmm. She will sign it. Then you will pose for your professional photo because they, they, the store hires a photographer. Then you'll pose for that photo. He said, take a little minute, and then you're done. He said, take your time. He's like, if, it's like, you have a minute. He's like, if you're dilly-dallying up there, it's like, yeah, they're going to rush you along. But t- take a minute. He's like, if anything, they're going to rush the people at the back of the line when it gets, it's getting close to the end of the appearance window. He's like, you are at the front of the line. Right. And you paid a lot of money paid a lot of money so take your time so number two number one and two go through there number three number four number five number six that is how numbers number work. six thank you <laughs> number, number six goes in to the store to meet i step up and i uh am given instructions by one of the employees of the store it's like you got your phone out yes get your phone ready to go yes do you have your autograph item ready to go? I said, yes. I said, Here's what you're going to do. You're going to hand your phone to the handler. And then you will hand the autographed item to the handler. You'll go up, you'll take your photo, and you'll get out of there. All right. So at that point, I'm pissed. Because mm-hmm. I paid $200 to have my own, to take my own photo. Right. But in execution, it turns out that a handler will be taking the photo, which maybe given how my brain began to work, it was probably for the best. Uh, so I get up. <laughs> so number six finishes and I get waved in and I walk in and I see the handler and I hand the handler, my phone and my uh, item to be autographed. I got a pro wrestling illustrated with uh, Sasha Banks and Charlotte on the cover that a million people had their same thing being signed, but, uh, totally normal. That's what I'm trying to say. There's nothing not normal about all of this. Uh, so, so I hand my phone and my uh, magazine to the handler, and I step up. And Sasha Banks is sitting at a table. Oh, from being to some of these wrestler meet and greet things that you don't want them to be sitting down, right? Because it's just it makes the it makes the professional photo it makes the photo awkward. But. I am in no position to make demands and whatever. Like, 
So I hand my items over. I walk in. She's sitting down. And I walk over, and I apparently I reached out for a handshake. Oh. And apparently she shook my hand. I'm saying apparently because I had to have my friend Tim, who came along with me, I had to have him recount this to me later because I I had no memory of the first half of the interaction. <laughs> um, I shook her hand. She she apparently did like the you know the Obama like uh, put your hand on the on the um like what? on the on the. Uh, you know, like how how a president would shake hands, like you shake you shake hands with your right hand, and you then you take your left the top of it, you, kind of pat it. The left, well, except instead of patting the top of the handshake, you like pat you take your left hand and you pat the person on the shoulder. Okay. Apparently that happened. I I don't really remember. So I said hi, thing like that, and reached out for a handshake. <laughs> got a handshake i at this point i'm i'm just i'm blowing it i have completely forgotten i've completely forgotten number six's advice which was to take my time i'm blowing it so uh after the handshake sasha is handed the item to autograph and what i did not realize at the moment was that was my time to speak to Sasha Banks. Uh-huh. Um, I instead I turned around and looked at my phone that was in the hands of the handler and began posing for a photo. <laughs> Sorry. So I'm standing there. I'm standing there for a solid. It was probably only 15 seconds, but you can imagine in that condensed time frame. Mm-hmm. how long 15 seconds can feel. I was standing there for 15 seconds, like with my arm on her chair as she was reaching for my magazine to autograph, looking at the handler instead of looking at her to her, which I realized in retrospect, I just blew it. So the magazine and then she turns and looks at the handler, and we pose for the photo for my camera, which turned out to be a hundred times better than the professional photo. So we got a couple <laughs> of shots there, and they're like, "All right, now turn." We turn and we look at the professional photographer, and we pose for a photo there. And then she hands me the magazine, and I say, "Okay, thank you." <laughs> And she said, yeah, great shirt. <laughs> Wearing a Sasha Banks shirt. And uh, and then I walked away. <laughs> I kind of blew it. <laughs> when she said, yeah, great shirt, mm-hmm. it struck me that this is, oh, she is so young. <laughs> This, oh, woman, no. this, this is a very young woman. Is what is the only thing that I could think of, and I am very old. And this is <laughs> this is kind of inappropriate. Was was what I was thinking, as she said, <laughs> as she said, "Yeah, great shirt." 
said nothing (laughs) and walked away. Maybe this was... Maybe I shouldn't have done this. But... Afterwards, because I I blew it, uh, because I knew, and I in in reflecting on the experience immediately after, first I asked my my friend Tim, I'm like, what what happened? <laughs> I think I said something like that. I said, what happened? Did I did I did I shake her hand? <laughs> and he's like, yes, yes, you did. It's like. You shook her hand, she patted you on the shoulder, and then you turned and looked away. <laughs> <laughs> so, that's how that went. I had some short spiel planned about how I had heard Sasha on Lillian Garcia's podcast and how we had similar stories and were basically twins in that we were both homeschooled kids and there was a time in our lives where our parents would not allow us to watch wrestling, and yet we both ended up like fans. Uh, so I had the plan to tell that, and I did not. But I tweeted it to her later with our uh, photo, and she liked the tweet. So maybe I kind of didn't totally a hundred. I mean, I hundred percent blew it in person, but I don't feel. Uh, bad about how it turned out uh, because of the power and magic of social media. But uh, in the moment, I can say I did not take number six's advice. <laughs> I felt rushed. I felt rushed by the handlers, and I blew it. Well, um, if you're a fan of cringe comedy, that's like the best story you could possibly hear. Um, no, look, bottom line is paid your money, you got your photo taken, and like you said, you got something of a pressure. At least, and like, take the small victories with this. Take the small victories that, like, you probably showered that day. Like, that you <laughs> put on deodorant before you went and met the famous wrestler. Because a lot of people in that line probably didn't. So, like, take the small victories and that you weren't you didn't embarrass yourself. You weren't all that. I'm sure you weren't in the top 20 of weirdest interactions she had that day. Probably not the top 100. So like, just, just look for the small victories. And as you said, you got the, the social media acknowledgement. So, you know, that's, that's, more than, that's more than a lot of people get. Uh, I remember when I met, uh, we all met me and you and... Uh, my brother met uh, Chris Jericho uh, at the Baltimore Public Library. And I remember kind of having a similar moment where he's signing my book and I just kind of froze up. Um, and then he's, so he just kind of, although he kind of acknowledged, he's like, so you doing all right, man? Um, <laughs> and, then, and then I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. And then I kind of got into you know, my spiel about how, you know, uh, yeah, I'm, such a fan and you know i can't wait to see him come back or whatever it wasn't anything memorable but i appreciated that and he's like well in the meantime while you're waiting for me to come back you have a great book to read i was like all right that's cool i can i can handle that interaction but yeah i mean it's you know that thing about how seconds can feel like hours when you're 
when you're in that situation. I, I get that, man. It's just, you know, it's, again, you didn't embarrass yourself. You didn't offend her either, you know, <laughs> smell-wise or personality-wise. So I think you got to just take the small victories. And all jokes aside, you got, you know, you got to meet her. You get to, you know, you got to say you, meet, you met your favorite wrestler. And not everybody gets to do that. So that's that's something there. There's something you can hang your hat on uh, in your wrestling fandom. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's telling this story makes my skin crawl, and I'm not sure why. <laughs> like, I mean, look, it's really because you built it up so much, like that you had this speech played, and because we've been making jokes about it on this show for two years, and... And all that kind of stuff. I get it, man. I like it's you. Pro- you know, it's one of those things you build up how it would go in your mind, and you practice stuff like that, and what you would say, and you know, all that stuff. I get it. It's just you know, look, you you got you at least you got like you said you got one decent picture out of it, and and uh, like you said, some kind of acknowledgement from her on. Uh, on Twitter, so that's uh, that's that's pretty cool. I I say you could still drop this one in the win column. I ultimately I agree. I think it's a net positive. I'm not sorry that I went. I don't feel like I blew it as bad as I could have. I mean, I didn't, you know, like yeah, you, you said I it was not as hard as it was not terrible. You didn't faint, uh, and she, tr- I was damn close, uh, but. She uh, she tried. She put some effort in. Uh, she, I gotta I gotta say one of the one of the six people ahead of me was this mom, and I would say I don't know ten year old boy, or like two dozen pink roses, and I just thought, all right, what what am I? First of all, you stupid child. <laughs> <laughs> Do you really think? Do you really think you have a chance in hell? Second of all, wow. Do you really think? Do you really think there's a chance in hell that those flowers are not getting deposited directly into a trash can as soon as that appearance is over? Like, like, what do you think she's going to take them home to her husband and be like, "Oh, look what this little ten-year-old boy gave me"? I, I'm willing to bet that the ten-year-old boy my, did not buy the flowers. Uh, well. Clearly, his mother did, but right. Uh, my other takeaway from this appearance was um, her. We've, I think, been uh, critical of her babyface promo delivery and talking about um, how she kind of has this weird delivery and weird cadence. I can uh, speak now from personal experience and say that it's just how she talks. Okay, <laughs> um, and so I'm not. I don't think it necessarily lends itself to giving long scripted pro wrestling promos, but I don't think it's like she's putting on a voice or anything. I think she just talks that way. All right. Well, once again, I feel I've said too much. (laughs) The show has reached a new low. (laughs) Now, like I said, we want to bottom line it here before we get out of here. You got to meet one of your favorite wrestlers ever. You got a nice picture taken. That's that's pretty cool, man. You know, life life can be pretty cool. I'm still framing the photo. It's still going on my wall. Uh, there you that's, go. 
we went we went over an hour this week. Oh my word! I'm sorry. I didn't mean to monopolize the end of the program, but uh, thanks for letting me get that off my chest and hopefully hopefully never speak of it again. Uh, that's all I have. Do you have anything else you'd like to get into, or should we go home? Uh, I'm not topping that. So let's uh, let's get out of here. Fair enough. Uh, until next time, I'm Ethan, and I blew it. <laughs> And I'm just having a good time. And we'll be back very soon with more awkward stories <laughs> from the wrestling life. Goodbye, and you're welcome. This episode of The Wrestling Life is brought to you by Onnit, onnit.com, and their new mood supplement. New mood is great for unwinding after a long day at work or helping erase occasional daily stresses. New mood is like a deep breath and a smile in a bottle. You can check out New Mood or any of Onnit's great supplements at onnit.com. Click through the link on our Twitter page or in the iTunes description of this episode. Thanks for listening to The Wrestling Life, a part of the Elite Podcast Network at obpapparel.com. For other podcasts like this, head to obpapparel.com. The Wrestling Life is brought to you by OBP Apparel. For Baltimore's best local sports gear, head to obpapparel.com. Whether it's baseball or football season, we've got you covered with Baltimore's best local sports gear. That's obpapparel.com. Hey everybody, it's Ethan. Wanted to give a shout out to our friends at Contenders Clothing. Contendersclothing.com slash ref slash the wrestling life. At Contenders, they feature a collection of amazingly designed men's boxer briefs inspired by our athletic heroes and champions. Their boxer briefs use ride control technology, which prevents the underwear from riding up on the leg. Their design and creative partners are John and Mike Anderson, who are the founders of Tank Farm Men's Apparel Line and retail stores in Seal Beach and Huntington Beach, California. At Contenders, they also have an initiative called Everyday Contenders, where they give back to those who are fighting for something. The most recent cause was a second chance, and they're in the process of delivering underwear, hats, and t-shirts to Blessed Mary O Friends, which is a sober recovery assistance program. At Contenders, they really love to give back as well as provide great underwear, hats, and t-shirts. So check them out. Contendersclothing.com slash ref slash The Wrestling Life. Thanks for listening to The Wrestling Life, a part of the Elite Podcast Network at obpapparel.com. Be sure to go and subscribe to us on iTunes. Just search for The Wrestling Life on the iTunes store. Make sure you leave a review and tell us how we're doing. Also be sure to follow the guys on Twitter at TWL underscore podcast for live tweets during wrestling events and other hilarity throughout the week. That's at TWL underscore podcast. Now back to the guys.
this is the part where he uh, he says, "Hey, we only have an hour to to record this tonight," and then he talks about his work and then goes to the bathroom and wastes like part of the hour, and then we end up being here for ninety minutes. It's okay; it's not my time, but it's his time. And he's like, "It's gonna be six thirty to seven thirty. Here we are, six forty-five." Chatting about his work for ten minutes, which is fine. It was a good story. I'm not. I'm not knocking the story. That's quality content for the pod. But I mean, come on. You know what I'm saying. You know what I'm saying, listener. And also, Ethan, when you go back and listen to this to edit it. Good time. Allergies are kicking my ass. Uh, but, but like, uh, I was thinking about how like allergies are just like dreams, or like you know, like. Like everybody wants to talk about theirs, and then immediately yes. when you start talking about it, you can just look around the room and see everyone's eyes gloss over when you start talking yes. about yours. So yes, I was thinking this like yeah, that's a little observational uh, humor for you this week. <laughs> Do you ever notice how some Enjoy. things are like other things? <laughs> Uh, um, uh, Raw and SmackDown. I mean, that pay per view blew turds. I don't know. I don't know. I don't even know what I'm saying. It was, it was horrendous. Uh, we can spend a little time on that. I'll bring up Raw and SmackDown, and then if you want to, uh, uh, ask me questions about meeting Sasha Banks, that's probably, um, I don't want to lead with that, but that should probably be discussed, I guess. Yep, sure should. <laughs> All right, you ready to go? Yep. I try to keep on keeping on.